book of Luke this morning will be in Luke chapter number 24, uh, Luke chapter number uh, 24, and we certainly are looking forward to what God has for us in the service this morning, and then I remind you tonight at 6 o'clock, and we look forward to what God has for us this evening as well. And <laughs> as a child of God, as a, as a saved individual, uh, we, can, we cannot allow ourselves to have our memory uh, get too far away from the resurrection. Uh, if the only time we think about the resurrection of our Savior is once a year, uh, we're probably not staying very close to the Savior. But I am thankful for extra emphasis. Anytime somebody wants to put extra emphasis on what Christ did for us, I'm certainly excited about that and look forward to what the Lord has put on my heart uh, this morning. Luke chapter number 24, we're going to read the first nine verses this morning. And so if you'll follow along with me in Luke 24, beginning with verse number one. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. They found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. They entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, <coughs> saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. Here we have uh, Luke's account of what took place uh, at the resurrection of our Savior. And much can be said from this. I've preached many times from this passage of Scripture, but I want to look at the resurrection of our Savior. I want to look at this passage of Scripture in this way this morning. I want to speak on the testimony of the empty tomb. I want us to allow the empty tomb to speak to us this morning. Let's hear what the empty tomb says to us through the Word of God. Father, I pray that as we reflect on what Christ did for us, may our hearts be filled with joy. May our hearts be filled with gladness. Uh, Father, may we uh, be humbled at the fact that the perfect Lamb of God would lay down His life for us as sinful men. And Father, we rejoice in the power over death. We rejoice and a perfect Savior. And Father, may we, be, <coughs> may we be excited today to be saved. May we glorify our Savior. And if there's one in the service this morning, whether in the building or watching on live stream this morning, that is not saved, has never got their salvation settled, may they do that today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, earlier in this year, as I, as I thought about uh, the message to bring today, and I thought about this passage of Scripture, my mind went back to earlier in this year where uh, some of us had the privilege of going uh, to Israel. And uh, that trip was one of the highlights of my life thus far and <coughs> enjoyed it uh, tremendously. I uh, didn't care for the company too much, but the, the trip itself was, uh, was quite memorable. And there was many things to see and certainly uh, so much to take in on a trip like that. Uh, but certainly my mind uh, went to... Uh, our visit and part of our, our, our trip to the empty tomb, uh, the place where 
Uh, some believe that uh, Christ uh, is likely that he would have been buried in that tomb. Of course, I do not believe, I do not believe that uh, God would want us to worship a place and God would want us to uh, consider a place holy. It's what uh, took place there and who came out of it that we should put our focus on. But be that as it may, it was certainly a, a highlight of our trip and certainly uh, puts perspective uh, into the Word of God. And uh, if you go there on that tour, and we were able to go one day, but it was, it was busy that day. There was a lot of people. It was a full day, and we were able to go. And if you've, if you've not been there, they uh, show you where uh, they believe Golgotha was, the uh, face of the skull. Uh, and then not too far from there, uh, in that garden area, is a tomb, uh, which of course is now empty. The stone rolled away, and uh, you have the opportunity to step in and to step out and see that empty tomb. And it is, some believe it's very likely, but if not, it would have been close by in that vicinity in a tomb like that one. And certainly when you see that and you see the, um, the perspective of where Golgotha likely was outside of those temple walls, uh, or outside the city walls, and then the proximity of that tomb, and the fact that you're in there and that there's a garden there, and you kind of get the perspective of what the Scripture tells us. And that was certainly a, an emotional time. That was certainly uh, put you in the mindset of Christ's crucifixion, His death, His burial, and of course, His resurrection. And we celebrate His resurrection. Uh, but at, towards the end of the tour, we had a... Uh, empty day. We had a day we could do whatever we wanted to do, and so I had decided I was going to go back there and uh, spend some more time uh, there, and so I got, we got there, and, and there's a couple of us, and uh, it was not crowded. It was very earlier in the day. It was not crowded, and uh, it was very quiet, and so I took some time to reflect again uh, over uh, by Golgotha, and I took some time, walked over to, went in the empty tomb again, and came out again, and it was still empty, and, and so I kind of stepped back and uh, stood on a little bridge and just kind of took it all in, and this is kind of how my mind thinks, and as I stood there, I tried to visualize. I tried to visualize the best I could how it must have looked 2,000 years ago. I tried to picture in my mind a stone in front of that opening and it being sealed so that no man could get in. Then I tried to picture the Roman soldiers standing outside, uh, protecting, guarding the tomb. That's a whole other message there. But I have a hard time believing an atheist is really an atheist. I have a hard time believing that those who deny the Son of God don't realize He's the Son of God. Uh, Why else would you guard a tomb with a dead man in it? Uh, But those soldiers there, in case the disciples, His disciples were to come and steal the body. Then I try and imagine those two angels appearing and those soldiers falling as dead men, not expecting that on their shift. Of course, where the tomb is now and where Golgotha is believed to be, it is, it, is a, it is a busy place. You can't really shut out all the noises 
of the present day. But I've tried to imagine how quiet it would have been, how um, peaceful it would have been, but yet something historic was going to take place. I tried to imagine in my mind Mary and those others coming to the tomb. And of course, as I've just mentioned, everything is much different now than it would have been then. What direction did they come from? How far away could they have been before they saw that the stone had been rolled away? What would have been their initial reaction? What would have been my reaction? Would I have stopped and would I have paused to try and figure out what was going on, then approach? Then I tried to imagine from that little bridge there, as I watched other people go in and out, I tried to imagine what it must have been like for those who came to see and attend to the body of Jesus to walk into that tomb to find it empty. Tried to imagine the emotions at that moment, but the emotions that they had been going through. They loved Jesus. They believed He was the Son of God. They heard the blasphemous things said about Him. They watched, they were witness to the crucifixion. They, 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 they know that He said, it is finished. They know His body was taken off of that cross and placed lifeless into that tomb. Now, they walk into that tomb, and I just imagine that things were happening so fast that they couldn't get a grasp of what was going on. Their mind could not sort out what was trying to process quick enough for them to realize what they are witnessing. Then about the moment, as I imagine, they step out of that tomb, there are those two angels sent from God. And that was just a little too much for what they were de dealing with. And they fall on their faces before these two angels in fear, in disbelief, in confusion. Verse number 4 says they were much perplexed. They had approached, and again, I'm trying to visualize what I've read on the pages of the Bible so many times. They see the stone rolled away. They enter the, the tomb. They find it's empty. I imagine in my mind they come out, and there are those angels. They didn't see them when they went in there, but now there they are. And they fall on their faces before those angels, and those angels ask a very logical and telling question. Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Well, this tomb certainly gives a testimony I've been to other tombs. I've been to the tomb of George Washington. Mount Vernon is one of my favorite places to visit. George Washington is my favorite history character as far as our great nation is concerned. And I've been to the place where 
George Washington has been entombed. And that gives a testimony. As you wander through and you get a glimpse of the life of this great man and the home that he lived in and the, in, in the way of life back in that day, and you get to this place where his tomb is, that tomb speaks. It says there was a man that lived. He was a great man. Now he's dead. And he's still in the tomb. I've been to the tomb of the unknown soldier on that sacred place for those of us who love our country. In Arlington National Cemetery, there's that tomb of the unknown soldier signifying those who have died and shed their blood for our nation. And here's this unknowned, unnamed soldier, and yet the honor is given for those who've given their life. And if you've been there and if you've seen that and you've seen all the pageantry that goes with that, the seriousness that takes place there, that tomb speaks. There's not an audible voice that you and I would hear, but there's a testimony, there's a testifying, there's a representation of that tomb that there is one who lived and died, still remains in the tomb. But the empty tomb gives a different testimony this morning. As I pondered, as I thought about and tried to visualize all those things that I've already mentioned, my mind came to Luke chapter number 24 and the very words that we've read this morning. And as I was trying to take all of this in, the empty tomb was testifying. The empty tomb had a testimony. The empty tomb was speaking like no other tomb can speak. The empty tomb was testifying to the world and testifies to us this morning. And I want to share with you from Scripture what that empty tomb testifies today. Look with me again in verse number 6. These angels are speaking to those that were there. He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee. I notice that word, remember. And I notice that I'm reminded that in verse number 4, those that came that day were perplexed. They were confused. They were much complex because of what they had witnessed I imagine as they got close enough and they saw the, the stone rolled away, the heart in their chest began to beat faster. I think they, they got a little bit short of breath because they, weren't, they didn't know what was going on. And when they walked in to where his body had been laying and it is not there, they were perplexed, they were confused, they were bewildered. Then the words, he's not here, he is risen. And then he says, remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee. And this is just how I picture it. I believe when he said that word, that, that, that angel said that word, remember. I believe it possibly triggered something in the minds of those that were there. And their mind began to go back and they heard the voice 
of the Son of God. They pictured him in their mind. And I believe the Spirit of God brought remembrance to their mind what he had said, that he would, he would destroy the temple and raise it. It would be destroyed and raise it up in three days. He, would, he taught them what would take place. There is a remembrance. And I say, first of all, this morning, the testimony speaks of the record. And friend, just as those that were there that day were reminded of what Jesus had said about his death and then his resurrection, his purpose for coming this morning. I look at the record that you and I have, the record of Scripture from the Old Testament prophets that say one day the Lamb is going to lay down his life and raise it up again. I, I look at the record as we read in the Gospels of what Jesus said about himself. I, I look at the record in Scripture as, as John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God. I look at the record that we have this morning, and that tomb reminds us, yes, it's empty. The testimony is there's a record that Jesus did what he said he was going to do, and that, that speaks to us today. It gives us great assurance that when my Savior says that he is, he, his blood will be applied and, and, and cover my sins, I can believe it. I can put confidence in it because there's a record. He says, remember the record. I remember a conversation I, was, I had with our guide at the empty tomb. Somewhere in the conversation, it turned to this, and so, so it, was, it was him or somebody there in the conversation said, well, does seeing it help you believe it? My response was no. I believed it before I got here. I don't believe it anymore, and I can say that it just gave perspective but I didn't believe it anymore. Why? Because I have the record that speaks. And if you never see it, if, you never, if it wasn't there, it would still be true. It would still be empty because the record speaks of it. The testimony of the empty tomb says, look at the record. And friend, by the way, let me just interject this. If the record tells me that he is going to give his live a perfect life, he's going to give his life for sinful men, he's going to be resurrected from the dead, that same record also tells me that he ascended up to heaven. That same record tells me he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. The same record tells me that one day he's returning for his home. Friend, we can have great confidence and look to the record. What was that empty tomb testifying? Remember what he said. Remember the record. The second thing we see as far as testimony this morning, we find the deliverance we continue reading in verse number 7, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. This angel begins to speak to them and remind them as the voice piece of God. Remember what he said, that he'd be delivered into the hands of sinful men. Friend, you cannot think of the empty tomb without thinking of the fact that perfection allowed himself to be given into the hands of imperfection. You cannot think of the empty tomb without thinking of the fact that 
He who is holy allowed himself to be delivered into the hands of the profane. And he was not handled as the holy one should be handled. It was the wicked, profane hands of man that smote the holy face of God. The deliverance of the righteous to the unrighteous. And friend, when I read in verse number 7 of Luke 24, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. You cannot read that without the word sinful being in the forefront of it. It reminds you and I today that it is because of the sin of man that Jesus was delivered. It was because of the sins of those men. It was because of the sins of the Pharisees. It was because of the sins of the Sadducees. It was because of the sins of the very people who would handle the Lord Jesus Christ. But friend, it was also for your sins and for my sins. And he was to be delivered to sinful men for sinful men. He had to be delivered. The empty tomb says, hey, don't forget what he said. Don't forget that everything he said would take place took place. Don't forget that he said that he had come to, to, to take away the sins of the world. Don't forget that he has said he had come to seek and to save that which was lost. And friend, the, the tomb says, don't forget that he was delivered into the hands of sinful men. On a previous day, we had the privilege of going down to the Garden of Gethsemane. And one thing that was surprising to me was the proximity to the city of Jerusalem. You come down the Mount of Olives and there at the base of the Mount of Olives is the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus prayed. And when he went and he woke up those disciples that were there praying with him, he says the hour is at hand. More than likely he saw those coming for him. He did not resist sinful men. He allowed himself to be delivered to them. We're reminded of our sin, whereas for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. As we continue in our text this morning, we find the tomb, the empty tomb, continues to testify. And as these, Mary included, are on their face before these angels bewildered, much perplexed. These angels begin to shed some light on what that empty tomb means. There's a record. There was a deliverance. And thirdly, we see he was delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. There was a crucifixion. Friend, I love to think about an empty tomb. I love to think about the fact that my Savior is alive. Boy, we ought to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. We wouldn't have salvation without it. <laughs> it ought to be our focus on it. 
I, I, I'm not concerned with, 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 with symbols and with all sorts of things, but, but the tomb is empty. He's been resurrected, but friend, you can't think of an empty tomb without thinking of the crucifixion. You can't think of the fact he was resurrected from the dead without thinking about the cruel cross that he was nailed to. And as the as I pictured in my mind, if you'll allow me to speak of it this way, this story unfolding in with the angels serving as the narrator of the day. Let me remind you what he said about the empty tomb. Let me remind you that there had to be a deliverance in the sinful men. Let me remind you there had to be a crucifixion. And friend, you and I, we cannot escape the reality of the crucifixion. It was the crucifixion of our Savior that led Him to the tomb. I think it's a good practice for Christians to be in to not let much time go by where they turn to the Gospels. And they read the account of Christ being crucified. And His body being broken. And his blood being shed. And the practice that took place in that day and the cruelty and punishment that was administered. As Christ allowed himself to be nailed to that cross and the pain and the suffering that he endured. Let me remind you this morning, he was receiving... Your punishment. He was receiving my punishment. It's not Christ that should have been on that cross. It's you and I that should have been on that cross. It was on the cross of Calvary. Jesus took upon him the sins of the world. He took upon him the sins of mankind. And the scripture tells us he became sin. And while he was bearing the sins of the world, even his own father had to turn his back and could not look at him because he became sin. We know those words that he spoke. It is finished. And the scripture tells us that he gave up the ghost. So why is that significant? It's significant because no man could take his life. He had to give his life. He gave his life on the cross, that cruel place called Golgotha, that cruel means of execution. The empty tomb testifies this morning that there was a crucifixion. And friend, this morning, you and I should not let our hearts get so cold and so so distant from what God did for us by giving His Son. And yes, He rose from the dead. And yes, we celebrate it. And yes, that is the completion of, of a finished gospel. But part of that is the crucifixion. It's the part you and I don't really like to think about, the, the suffering that He endured, the, 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 my suffering that He endured. But friend, the testimony of the empty tomb says there was a crucifixion. But as that testimony continues to be given, as we continue to read in verse number 7, 
He was delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. This is where the testimony gets good. The bewilderment of those who love the Savior. They're reminded by the empty tomb of the record. They're reminded of the deliverance. They're reminded of the crucifixion. Then they're reminded, he said it rise again. And the third day, rise again. There's a resurrection. Of course, the empty tomb speaks of the resurrection. He conquered death and hell. There was a resurrection. In order to be a resurrection, there had to be a death. We know that Jesus gave up his life. And you think of the fact that He had given up his life, and three days later, he was resurrected from the dead. I cannot help but think, when I think of this, I cannot think of the fact that when Jesus came forth out of that tomb, the best I could as I was letting my mind place me in the story, trying to picture everything that the Scripture says took place. Of course, it happened before Luke 24, but Christ coming forth out of that tomb. What a sight that would have been. When he came forth out of that tomb, resurrected from the dead, he didn't come out empty-handed because he had the keys of death and hell. See, the resurrection was the completion of the price being paid, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The resurrection signifies conquering death. And friend, if Jesus tarries his coming, The day is going to come when you and I take our last breath in this world and we will die, our body will die. We don't have to fear the grave. We don't have to fear death because the Lord Jesus Christ conquered it. And friend, there's going to be another resurrection and it's the resurrection of the redeemed and you and I don't have to fear that grave. We don't have to fear the end of this natural life because it's through the Lord Jesus Christ we have eternal life. In the life that we have down here, whether he gives us 40, 50, 60, 70, or 150 years, it compares nothing to eternity and it's through the Lord Jesus Christ, the empty tomb that speaks of a resurrection that you and I know that we can have eternal life through what Christ did. Christ also conquered hell. Let me take us all back to the reminder of our own sin. And because of our sin, we deserve hell. Jesus paid that price for us. Jesus conquered death and hell. And friend, I could take my mind, have, have my mind take me back 
to when I got saved, when I trusted Christ as my Savior, and when I put my faith and trust in Christ and what He did on Calvary as my substitution and put every bit of faith I had on Him and not on anything else. But in that instant, in that moment, I was changed from unrighteous to righteous. I was changed into one of the redeemed. I have been washed in the blood that was shed on that cross of Calvary. I was washed in His blood. Oh, in that instant, I became a child of God. Why? Not because I deserved it. Not because I had it coming to me, but because of what Christ did on Calvary and the finished work of Calvary and coming forth out of the grave, resurrected from the dead, having conquered death, conquered hell. There's a resurrection. Because of the resurrection, we know that he's going to return one day. My mind goes back to that time when I was there looking at that empty tomb. I could pivot from my point and look back to where Golgotha was. Get a clear picture of the death of Christ and a reminder of the resurrection of Christ. My mind goes back to how many people throughout the years out of curiosity have poked their head in an empty tomb because it was the next stop on a tour and they never listened to the testimony of the empty tomb. Or how many they believed the death of Christ, they could even believe the resurrection of Christ, but they never realized that they had to put their faith just in what Christ did for eternity. My mind also went, and the Spirit of God certainly spoke to my heart that day. The fact that as a child of His, a benefit of all that tomb speaks of, of not reflecting on it enough, not being as grateful for it as I should be. Oh, and before you... Judge me for feeling that way and saying that. Friend, we ought to look at our own heart. And there's no way, there's no possible way that we in, our, in this flesh could really give the thanks and the honor due to a loving God for sending His precious Son to take our place and to pay for our sins and to be our substitution. And friend, this morning as we look at the testimony of the empty tomb, may we remember the record of what Jesus said and what Jesus said He would do, He did. And I can tell you, I, I'm in church today on this Easter Sunday in 2020 and I know that I'm saved and I know that I look at the record of what Jesus said He did and I can tell you, He did everything that He said He was going to do. Oh, we think of the deliverance two sinful men 
for sinful men. And oh, to think that our Savior allowed himself to be handled by those wicked and filthy men and allowed himself to be bruised and beaten by the hands of the profane men of that day. And those sinful men took a perfect God and they laughed at him and they mocked him and they whipped him and they beat him and they blasphemed him and they, and they made fun of him and they nailed him to that cross because of sin. Not just the sin of those men, the sin of all men, including mine and including yours, that horrible crucifixion that I don't know about you, but I don't like to read about it. I don't like to think about it because it reminds me of what Jesus did for me. It reminds me of how I unworthy I am, but how unworthy he was of going through that. But then we come to the resurrection, the time of victory, the time of coming forth victorious, having conquered death and hell. And that tomb says, he's alive and you have salvation, you have forgiveness, you are redeemed because of what Christ did, his finished work, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, if you're saved this morning, we ought to rejoice in that. We're saved this morning, we ought to reflect on that. We allow our minds to remind us of how undeserving we are of the Lord Jesus Christ. And after they were reminded of that resurrection, those angels, if you will, serving as the narrators, and they remembered his word. Verse 9, as we read earlier, and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. If we really allow the testimony of the empty tomb to impact us like it should impact us, we've got to talk to somebody about it. Can you imagine Mary delivering those words to the 11? Guys, I know you've seen some amazing things. I know you were there when he took those loaves and fishes and he fed all. I know you were there when he walked on the water. I know you were there when he said, peace, be still. But let me tell you what happened. I went out early this morning and when I got close to the tomb, I stopped in my tracks because I saw the stone was rolled away. My heart began to beat very quickly. I, I got a little short of breath. And when we got to the tomb, we, got, we, got, we rushed in there. And we saw it, it, he was not there. And then we came out. There were two men. I've never seen them before. But they were in white. And I, we fell on our face in fear. And they began to tell us what the tomb was telling us. And he was, they were telling us that, that there's a record. Remember what Jesus said. Remember he'd be delivered into the hands of sinful men. Remember the crucifixion. And remember that he he is risen, and you should have been there. And lo and behold, what did they do? They ran back to the tomb to witness for themselves. Hey, Christians, we can encourage one another with the empty tomb. We can encourage one another with the fact that he's risen. I don't want to be one of these Christians who's always pouring cold water on everybody else's joy. Well, Jesus is alive. 
Pastor, what's going to happen? I don't know, but I just look back in the record and everything that Jesus said he's going to do, he's done. So as I look to what Jesus said he's going to do, I don't know anything to do but just to look up and wait for him to appear because the record speaks for itself. I think if we as Christians, if we got excited about the empty tomb more than one Sunday a year, It might help somebody change from a casual observer to poking their head in, checking that off of their list, to maybe stop long enough to hear what the empty tomb testifies. This morning, let's allow this reminder.